and to my path. And thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help me every day to read thy word. And Lord, help me every day to live thy word. I love thy word. And dear Lord, I hope it's not too late for me to hear what I need to hear tonight. Amen. God bless you. If you're alive, it's not too late. If you're alive, it's not too late. I believe the Word of God gives us the answers to everything in life, don't you? Everything in life, God gives us an answer for. I noticed if you haven't heard the message Sunday on the anointing, I do also believe that I said a lot of things. People are like, what? So go back and listen to it again. Maybe you'll uh, make sure I said it right uh, because I am for an awakening of the church. I am for us to be anointed, but I don't want us to run up high and then low, hot and cold, up and down. Up. I don't want us to be like that. I want us to be men and women of God who have a life that is level, that we speak to mountains, come down, we speak to valleys, rise up, and we have that consistent lifestyle of being a Christian. Well, because of that tonight, I've entitled this teaching tonight. I'm, I will not finish tonight. I, I got in there and it got started with this, and it's just going to be more than I can give tonight. But I entitled it Raisins. Raisins. Does everybody know what raisins means? In Mississippi, that's what we call, you got some raisins. Lord, you can tell by a kid if they have raisins or not because they say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and thank you, and please, and yes, sir, and no, sir, and all that. Well, it's because of the raisins. There was a young man working in a grocery store, and an older lady came up to him, and she said, I want a half a head of lettuce. He said, well, ma'am, uh, we don't sell a half a head of lettuce, but I'd love to sell you an entire head of lettuce. She goes, no, I want to buy a half head of lettuce. And he said, but ma'am, we don't sell it that way. We sell it a full head of lettuce, and uh, you could buy it and just use half of it and throw the other half away, but we sell it in one full head of lettuce. And she looked at him and she said, Sonny, I said I'm only buying a half a head of lettuce. So the young man didn't know what to do, uh, so he turns around and he goes back into the back of the grocery store, back through the little flappy doors, you know, where it says employees only, he goes back there and finds a supervisor, and he starts talking to the supervisor, and he goes, man, there's this, there's this woman that, that she is demanding to buy a half a lettuce, and, and I told her we only sell it in the full head, and she's demanding that we sell it to her, and, and I tell you what, she's getting really upset, and she's getting really angry, I don't know what to do, and he didn't realize the woman had followed him and was standing right behind him. And his supervisor kept trying to get his attention to let him know she's standing right behind him, but he didn't pay attention. So he turns around and sees the woman face to face. And immediately he said, and this lady has been so gracious as to want to buy the other half head of lettuce. Isn't that wonderful? Quick thinker. Yeah. So after the lady left, the, the supervisor said, man, that's, that's quick thinking on your feet. How did you learn that? He said, well, it's all because of my raisins. He said, yeah, where were you raised at? He goes, and he names the town. And he says the name of the town, and he says, you know, it's not a, a the women there are all ugly, but they got a great hockey team there. And so the supervisor said, son, my wife was born and raised in that town. 
He goes, what hockey team was she on? <laughs> you see, we got to be ready with our raisins because how we're raised determines how we handle things in life. How we're raised. I have found that your greatest joys in life are with your family. The greatest joys you'll ever have are with your family. And also, the greatest frustrations you will ever have are going to be with your family. And so tonight, if you don't have kids, get ready. You might have some. If you have kids, but you go, well, I have them, but they're kind of older, hold on. You got grandkids coming. If you don't have grandkids coming, you got great-grandkids coming. So everything I say, you're going to need. And tonight, if you have a pen and paper, I would encourage you to write some things down. Because I want to talk about kids. Kids. Every child is unique. There are no two children the same. No two are the same. If you have had more than one child, every parent will tell you no two children are the same. Every child is unique, and every child presents different challenges. Different challenges. And as a parent, you do not have experience as to how to handle that child. You can read all the books you want to read, but I'm telling you, that child is unique. And whatever you find in these books may or may not help you with that child. And then when you have the next child, everything you thought you learned with the first one goes out the window, out the door, because now the second one is absolutely nothing like the first one. They're both unique. So most parents have their parents as a model of what to do and what not to do. Haven't you ever thought that as a parent? Well, here's the things I'm going to do that my parents did. But these are the things that my parents did that I am not going to, I will not make that mistake. And so, if we have strong families, you're going to have a strong church. But in our society today, a strong family is something that is very hard to find. I believe God's standard for families has never changed. It's in the Word of God. He tells us what to do, how to do it, and how to handle things. The problem is, is we're not going to the Word of God to find the truth. And I believe if we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. If you have weak families, you're going to have a weak church. I want our church to be stronger every day, don't you? Stronger families. And we're seeing that happen in our churches. We are seeing people come together and they're, they're beginning to have families and they're getting stronger. They're learning and they're taking the word of God and applying it not only in their hearts but in their homes. Parents and children fall into cycles. Cycles. You'll find it if you look at your family, if you look at other people's families, you're going to find cycles that keep repeating. I was born and raised in Mississippi. There are certain cycles of families in Mississippi that repeat over and over again. And I determined as a young child, as a young teenager, I do not want that cycle in my family. I believe my wife is the only one of her family that has not been divorced and remarried. We wanted to stop that cycle. It's very prevalent in my family. We want to stop that cycle. So we want strong families. Most parents who are physically abusive, they had physically abusive parents. And they model after their parents how to be a parent. Most parents who are alcoholics, they had parents who were alcoholics. And they modeled that. Unless they decide, I'm not going to do what they did. Most parents who have drug issues had parents who had drug issues. And that cycle, you can watch it, just continues 
to go over and over in families. It's not always, but a lot of the times you can see this repetitive behavior in families. What do we do what we see and we say what we hear, don't we? Especially kids. Kids are always doing what they see and saying what they hear. And if you're a parent, guess what they will do? Do what they do, but you don't want anybody else to know what they do, and they do it in front of everybody else when you don't want them to do that. And they will say in front of other people what you do not want them to say. It happens all the time here at church. Man, your kids and other grandkids stuff, they'll come in, they'll tell me all kinds of things that I know good and well you do not want them to tell me. Yeah. And they just blurt it out to me. I don't know why. But I know just the other Sunday a, a little girl comes in and she goes, I've got big girl panties on, told the whole church. And I'm sure her parents were like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. They're here tonight. I'm not pointing them out. But how are we supposed to parent? We, we don't get that experience ahead of time. Matthew 5, 48, let me give you a verse. It's so easy to parent. Here's what it says. Be perfect. Isn't that awesome? Just be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I talked about it last week. God is the perfect Father, correct? And yet God has rebellious children. We talked about how to handle children of godly parents who rebel last week. Tonight I want to talk about how you handle your kids, grandkids, whatever your phase of life may be. The first thing you got to do is you got to know your kids. Because your kids are different than everybody else's kids. They're not like anybody else's kids. And if you have more than one, those one, two, three, five, or seven, they are not the same as the other child in the family. All of them are different. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children... So the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him, for He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that God remembers that we're just dust at times? Aren't you glad that He knows how we are formed? God knows His kids. And as a parent, we have to begin to know our children. We have to know their tendencies. Uh, you cannot put the same expectation on one child that is on another child because their tendencies are different. You've got to know their personalities. You've got to know their traits. I had a young girl tonight tell me this just before church. My parents just don't know me. I'm like, how many kids have said that? How many of you said that about your parents? My parents don't understand me. They don't know me. They, they don't get it. And a lot of times parents don't because... It is hard to know your kids. And yet it's our responsibility to know our kids. Proverbs 24, 3. By wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Understanding. Wisdom. All you have to do is be perfect. No, God is perfect. We are not. But we do have to know our children. Each kid has different talents abilities, desires, attributes. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. How many of you have heard that verse? Now i got to tell you, I have been guilty 
of, of understanding this verse wrong. So tonight, I'm probably going to give you something you've never heard before. But I hope not. I hope somebody's heard this before. But I was told, if you take a child to church all the time, and if you take that child to Sunday school, and you just ingrain the Word of God in them, and you, you bring them to church, and you get them into Royal Rangers and Impact Girls, you put them into youth ministry and all that, there may be a time where they go sow all their wild oats, but before they take their last breath, they will repent and come back to God and live in heaven for eternity. How many parents have heard that, been taught that? I don't believe that's what this verse means. Because if that's what this verse means, then I would never have seen, and you would never have seen, somebody who was raised in church their entire life, all their raisins were godly, they were in church, in Sunday school, got the gold stars. They, they got the memory verses. They went through the Impact Girls, Royal Rangers. While all the stages got the honors. They went through the youth ministry. They graduated high school, went off, sold their wild oats, and they lived wild their whole life, and they never returned to God, and they died. I've seen that happen to people. Well, if that can happen, then is this verse false? I don't believe the Word of God is false. I believe our understanding of the Word of God sometimes gets a little skewed. This verse is not saying that if you as a parent bring them to the house of God and do all these things, God guarantees you they're going to heaven. That's not what this verse means. What this verse says, I want to read it again. I want to read this again. It says, Start off, children, on, and say these two words with me. These two words are important. The way. The way. They should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. I believe this verse has the meaning of studying this thing for years. I believe it has this meaning that you have to know your kids... And you have to know the way God formed them and gave them to you. Every child is formed in a different way. We've just talked about how unique they are. And God has a different way that he wants these children to go in. Each one is different. The Bible says they are bent. They are bent toward God, I believe, can bend them toward him and his will. Our job is to try to figure out the way God intends them to live this life. Because every child is different. Some kids are bent on and towards being a mechanic. And if they're bent toward that, don't try to make them a politician. If they're bent toward playing an instrument, wonderful. But don't force them into band for 10 years when they hate it and you hate it and you're listening to that trumpet. And they just have no musical talent whatsoever. Don't try to force the way. God has given them the way they should go. And we as parents have to find out the way God has given for them to live. Some kids are concrete thinkers. They can only think by what they see, touch, and feel, tactile. Others are bent toward creativity. Man, you give them a piece of paper and crayons and they'll be there for all day long. You give another kid paper and crayons and two seconds later they're bored. Let's do something. 
Let's go outside. Let's do this. Let's do that. Some kids want to think outside the box. They're abstract thinkers. They're all different. Some of them are bent towards sports. Listen, not every kid is going to make it in sports. Believe me, right now I have grandchildren that are in basketball. I see one or two out of all these teams that literally have a gift of being in sports. The rest of them do not. It's hilarious. I love the refs. They're really helping them out. They're little kids. And sometimes they go the wrong direction. The ref will blow the whistle and say, no, 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 y'all stop. Y'all go that way. It's fun. And sometimes they'll just pick up the ball and start running. The refs will let them do it for a little while. But then after a little while, they blow the whistle and go, you have to dribble every now and then. Uh, this little girl the other day, she just kept dribbling out just anywhere. She didn't care. I've got the ball. I'm just going to dribble. It doesn't matter. Just going all over the place. It was awesome. So not every kid is going to be a sports kid. Not every kid is going to play football or basketball. Not every kid is going to do that. Not every kid is going to be bent toward A pluses in every class. And sometimes as parents, we try to take and they're bent toward C's. And we're like, no, you're going to be bent toward A plus. You're going to make A pluses. You're nothing besides that's acceptable in this house. And boy, we do damage to our kids because we don't know our kids. As parents, we've got to know the way God created them. How did God create them? He created for them the way to go. So you have to know their personality, their temperament. Oh my goodness. How many know every kid's got a different temperament? <laughs> Some of them are so passive. Some of them are violent. They will take stuff from other kids. It's crazy. You got to know their strengths and know their weaknesses. And here's what I've seen. A lot of parents try to live their fantasy life through their children. You can't do that. Well, I wasn't good in sports, but my kid's going to be good in sports. I wasn't good in math, but my kid will be. And I'm just going to force them to be what I wanted to be, but I never could do it. We can't do that. Don't force them to be someone they are not. Allow God to give you the wisdom and the understanding on how a house is to be built. And when you begin to understand who they are, you can train them in the way they are bent. And if you train them in the way, when they are old, they won't turn from it because it is the way God made them to be. But if we force them into molds and force them into issues, we force them into activities that they are not bent toward, it's going to be nothing but frustrations. They are going to hate it. You're going to hate it. You're like, why? why don't they play basketball? I play basketball. Why don't they play sports? I play sports. What's wrong with them? How come they can't play an instrument? It's so easy. How come they don't understand the Pythagorean theorem? How can you not understand the Pythagorean theorem? Come on. And photosynthesis cycle, everybody should know that. But not every kid's academic. Not every child is a concrete thinker. Not every child's an abstract thinker. You've got to know your children. We've got to know that not every kid is going to be the way you are. Well, they're my kids. That doesn't mean they're going to be the way you were. They're unique. Woodworkers work with the grain of the wood. And when we work with the grain of our children, you're going to have a beautiful, beautiful result. 
But when you go against the grain, it's going to be rough on everybody. So you got to know your kids. Number two, you got to be patient with your kids. This is tough. How many of you are patient? Okay, thank you for not raising your hands. We finally got the full confession of people tonight. Yes, we're not patient. We're not built patient. Most of us are. I'm very impatient. I am very goal-oriented. I am very much a list person. I am OCD. I am all these things. Boom, boom, boom. Every day I've got my list. One, two, threes, ABCs, all these things. Because then that way I can get it all done. Uh, you walk into my office. It's, it's an organized. It's clean. And, but you know what? I've had staff members that are not like that through the years. I've had someone walk in their offices and it's just, I'm like, how do they work in here? But that's who they are. That's who they are. Everybody is different and we have to have patience. Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is patient has great understanding. I want great understanding, don't you? But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. So as parents, we've got to have this gift, this fruit of the Spirit called patience. If you don't have it, ask God for it. If you don't ask God for it, He will make you have it through your children. Amen? He, you're going to get this gift whether you want it or not. Patience. you got to know your children and show patience just like your heavenly Father shows patience with you. How many of you are thankful for the patience of God in your life? Man, I'm so thankful that God doesn't try to force me to be somebody I'm not. For years, man, I wanted to preach like Billy Graham. I thought, man, if I just preach like Billy Graham, that'd be awesome. And then I found another person I thought, no, man, I, I need to get a handkerchief and sweat and spit and all that like this preacher does and, because I think that's what everybody's you know, wanting to hear. And, and God told me, he said, no, I made you to be you. You're the only one, and I made you to be you. I made them to be them. So we've got to have patience. We've got to be able to let our kids... Go in the way that God has prepared for them. God has a way for you. God has a way for me. And when we give our lives to God, we allow God's will to become our will. Not my will, but thine be done. When we as parents allow children to allow their will, not rebellion. I'm not talking about rebellious hearts. I'm not talking about let kids just do whatever they want to do. But I'm talking about have the patience to find the way that God has made them and then allow them the time to develop in that way. You've got to have patience. And one of the ways to have patience is to accept your kids. Accept them. You know, I've seen parents not accept their children. That can't be my kid. <laughs> There's probably been times all of us have thought, oh my goodness, that is my kid? Absolutely. But accept your kids because your Heavenly Father accepts you. Your Heavenly Father accepts me just as we are. And then He has the patience and the acceptance to work on us. The Bible tells us that children are a gift from God. So if children are a gift, guess what God the Father has done? He has gone into heaven. God has custom made a human just for you as a gift. 
and God brings this gift into your life and says, this is the child that you need in your life. Isn't that amazing? God custom makes every child for every family. And he says, in this family, they need this child. The parents need this child. And this child needs this family to grow in. This child needs these parents to grow in. They're a gift. And we've got to accept the gift. Because a gift can be rejected. We have to accept it. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So when I accept my kids, guess what I'm doing? Bringing praise to God. God gets honored when we do things His way. We love our kids, we accept our kids, we bring them into our family, and God begins to get praise out of that. He's customized your child just for you. Your grandchildren just for you. Maybe great-grandchildren, wherever you're at in life. So you are not to make them many me <laughs> right they're not supposed to fit into a mold that's already there that looks just like you talks just like you acts just like you now how many of you parents know that sometimes your kids do have some of those traits that's always your bad traits why is it not your good traits but it's always the bad traits they go that's the ones you're going to pick up really come on yeah don't make them many you they are not you they are unique they're not you. And I got to tell you, when we were young parents, nobody gave us any instructions. It's hard for us as parents not to have our own way we want our kids to go in, right? It's hard to have patience whenever your kid's going this way and you're like, no, 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 no. You're going to go this, you're going to force them this way. And God's going, man, that's not the way I made them. I made them with these directions in their life. Don't make them you. And also, here's another thing. Listen to this. Do not try to make them better than you. Yeah. Well, I was a D student, but my kids are going to be A student. Well, I wasn't very good in sports. My kids would be good in sports. Well, I couldn't play an instrument, but my kids are going to play an instrument. Well, I couldn't do this or that, but my kids will. They're going to do better. Don't try to make them better than you. They're unique. Accept their uniqueness. Affirm their uniqueness. Some kids feel their performance is demanded for them to be accepted. If they do not perform in a certain way, you ever seen a child get a report card and just be crying? Never not, to want, they don't want to take it home because they know parents are going to be upset. Now listen, if you have a C student, be happy when they bring home C's. If you have a D student, be happy when they bring home D's. But if you have an A student, don't let them bring home D's. If you have an A student, don't let them bring home F's. But at the same time, don't try to force a D student to become an A student because that's not the way they were created. They're going to be good in some other area of life because they have the way God has made them to be. There are great people in this world that were never good students, but they are phenomenal human beings and have accomplished so many wonderful things. We should not have performance to be a reason for parents to love their children. No. You accept your children because God gifted them to you. Yeah. Not because of the way they perform. Some kids strive so hard just to meet 
these unreasonable standards of expectations because they have to be like their sibling, their older brother, their older sister. They've got to do what they've done and, and go a far and above achievement above that. Yeah. They, they've got to be better than their parents were. They've got to be better than all their friends. Her parents say, I know what your friends are like, but not, you're not going to be like that. Well, if they weren't going to be like that, then why are they having friends like that? Because birds of a feather gather together. I'm not talking about letting the child just do what he wants to do. I'm not talking about letting the child be in rebellion, but I am talking about giving them the ability to be the way God created them to be. And then we encourage, we accept, and we affirm them in that direction. Affirm them and accept them. Just a few more minutes, let me get to this one. This is not going to be popular with parents today, but it's biblical. Discipline your kids. Amen. Wow, I got a good amen on that one. Hallelujah. Discipline. Hebrews 12, 6. Because the Lord disciplines the one he hates. No. The one he despises. No. The one that's always messing up. No, no. He disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone that he accepts as his son. So God the Father knows how to accept us, affirm us, know us, understand us, and he also knows how to discipline. Anybody ever been disciplined by God? I have. It's harsh. But it's because he loves us. Yes, he loves us. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. Wow, that's strong wording, isn't it? And that's even in the New American Standard, not the King James. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful. Now, I'm talking about discipline. But you've got to be careful with discipline on how they discipline their children. Because discipline is not an element of hate. Discipline is an element of love. Because you love them. And you see them headed the wrong way. You see them living in the wrong way. Attitudes in the wrong way tendencies in the wrong way, attitudes, all these things, the wrong, we've got to come in and carefully discipline. Now, I may step on a few toes, but Proverbs 19, 18 says this, discipline your children for in that there is hope. Any parent ever felt like there's no hope for these kids? Whew. We've all been there, right? Scratching our heads, what do we do? I don't know, what does the book say? I don't know, I've got five books over here, but none of them has anything to do with our kids. Yeah. Do not be a willing party to their death. Wow. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Do not participate in your child's death, but discipline them so there is hope for that child. We're all born with a sinful nature. Yeah. Discipline is not punishment. I thought it was when I was younger, didn't you? Because my dad disciplined me in a way, it hurt. You know, nowadays discipline doesn't hurt. 
uh, I, I think it needs to hurt. I think it needs to shock us. I think it needs to make us stop and go, I'm not doing that ever again. Because when my dad said one time, he said, I, I, you do that again, I'll kill you. I believed him. Now, as a kid, I believed him. As an adult, I don't think he would have actually killed me. But as a kid, I didn't know that. And guess what? My behavior changed. My behavior was beginning to be formed in the way God wanted me to go in the way. Because God disciplines his kids with love to give hope so there's no death in their future. Because he loves them. If you don't discipline, you hate your children. Parents today just let kids go wild sometimes. Listen, show them some love. Get them to be under discipline. God does not punish his kids. The word of God says that Christ was punished for our sins, but not for his, for our sins. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The purpose of punishment is to inflict a penalty. That is not discipline. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. You are doing to give your child hope, a future, because you love them. Punishment is about a penalty. Yeah. And sometimes as parents, if we don't carefully discipline, we can come out in punishment. And there's not going to be anything there but penalty to you and to your child. The focus of punishment is the past. Look what you did. But the focus of discipline is the future. I want to keep you in the future from doing this. I'm looking ahead. I'm going to help you in your future. See, one is made for success. One is punishing failure. We need to make sure we don't take that failure because failure is an event. Failure is not a person. People are not failures. Just they have an event in their life they failed at. God has made all of us to be successful. If we live the way God has created us to live. Punishment brings with it an attitude of fear and anger. Yeah. I'm talking about the fear where you are afraid and then the child is angry at you. My dad punished me. I, I said, well, God was afraid he's going to kill me, but I wasn't fearful of him. I respected him. He's my father. He's doing this because he loves me. He's doing this because I need to be obedient as a child and do what he asked me to do. And then don't do what he tells me not to do. And so as parents, we help shape that child so that they have a hope and a future, not death. Discipline brings with it an attitude of love and security. Every child needs to feel loved and secure. Every child deserves that. Every child deserves to go to bed at night in a peaceful, secure, loving home. And that's something we need to work on today in our families. We need to work on peace and safety and security with our children. Because how many know that children can feel what is going on in the home? If mom and dad are angry at each other, the kids are going to feel it and sense it. If there's peace in the home, kids are going to sense it. If there's no dad there, the mom has then now got to play two roles in their lives to bring peace and safety. If there's no mom there, the dad has to play two roles. But the child needs 
this love and security brought about through discipline, looking toward their future, not failure of an event in their past. Because the Bible says this, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. No fear. I'm talking about the fear where you're scared and afraid. I've seen kids that were scared to death of their parents. You know why? Because the discipline was not out of love. The discipline was not careful. The discipline was not discipline. It was punishment. Punishment. And they were scared to death of their parents, fearful. But perfect love drives out that kind of fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Not made perfect. They tell you today, psychiatrists and psychologists tell you, that if you do not have a child under control and discipline by the age of three, you are already behind the curve. Isn't that amazing? And some parents don't think there has to be any discipline until they're 13 to 14 years of age. You're way too late. You're way too late. And don't expect your kids to act different in public than they do at home. You know, I've seen some parents, they let their kids do whatever at home, and then get out in public and want them to be angels. Well, they're not going to. And then they go, I can't believe they're acting like this. We're like, well, why not? They, I'm guarantee you they're acting like that at home. Because your kids will act in the public the way they act in private. So we've got to make sure that we discipline them with love and lead them in the way God created them to live. A way that brings hope, a way that brings life, not death, a way to where we as parents, we know our kids. I know my kids. I know my kids, and I know my grandkids. I know them. I know what they're going to do. I know what they're going to say. I know how they're going to act. And guess what? Nani knows them, too. Because you know what? Our grandkids are our kids replicated. It's amazing. My daughter will tell you, I had my brother and myself. Their temperaments are exactly the same. The way they do, the littlest thing they say, exactly the same. And we know how that works. And we know how to get a good result. Miss, my favorite, Miss Sandy, Miss Nani, she made me today a blueberry and peach Cobbler. Yes. I went home for lunch, blueberry and peach cobbler with that yellow vanilla ice cream. Oh. Now, the reason she made that, because she knows me. Because last two times my grandkids have come, my grandson loves cobbler. And she's made cobbler just for him. Didn't make me any. So I made a statement in the foyer Sunday how that my wife, the last couple of times my grandson has come over, she's made him a blackberry cobbler, but I haven't been given a blackberry cobbler in a long time. So she knows me. She knows that wasn't just something I would say, but there was a little bit of truth right in there. What she heard was me saying, I need you to make me a cobbler because I'm getting a little jealous here. Yeah. Because she knows me, so she made me a cobbler. And guess what? All is well. It's amazing what a cobbler can do to a relationship. Yeah. May not do well on your waistline, but boy, it sure does make living so much more enjoyable. But we know, you know your kids. God gives you this ability to understand them. And if you try to understand, know your kids, 
accept them, affirm them, build them up. Don't compare them to anybody else's kids. I see parents doing that a lot in different areas of life. They compare their child to somebody else's child in sports. They compare their child to somebody else's child in academics. They compare their child to somebody else's child in whatever, uh, arts, whatever it may be. Let's don't do that. Our children deserve better than that because they are not like any other child. And you are not like any other parent. So don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to parent exactly the way they do because you know what? It won't work with your child. And that's what's the most thing, amazing thing to me about parenting is that everybody does it just a little bit different with their children. I've also found that if you're watching somebody else's kids, you could fix their kid in a moment. I tell you what I'd do if that was my kid. Yeah. But you know what's happening at that very moment? Somebody else is watching your kid and thinking the same thing. If that was my kid, I could fix that right quick. Yeah. Why? Because I give them different raisins. Yeah. We've all got raisins, don't we? We've all got backgrounds. And tonight we've got parents, grandparents, parents to be all those in the in the auditorium. And there are times where we don't know what to do. That's when you stop and you ask God for wisdom. God, give me wisdom here. Because your kids will remember the silliest things. They will. Because you do. You remember the silliest things about growing up with your parents. Maybe it's something wonderful. Maybe it's something horrible. Maybe it's something you said, I want to make sure I do this with my kids. Or maybe it's something you look at and go, I will never do that with my children. I don't know what it is. But would you stand with me tonight? Last week I had parents stand whose children had gone away from God. I got to tell you, it gripped my heart. No parent wants to have their child living an ungodly life. Tonight, I want us just to simply stand for a moment and just say, God, I haven't always been perfect, believe me. No one, nobody can be perfect. And maybe looking back over your parenting, maybe some of you would look back and go, you know, I didn't quite handle that right. You know what you can do? Ask God to forgive you. He'll forgive you because he accepts you. And then maybe you can go to that child and say, listen, you know what? I've been thinking about this, and this really has stuck with me. I did not handle this right, and I would like to ask your forgiveness. We need to do that sometimes as parents, grandparents. But then also, we also need to say, Lord, help me to make the right decisions with my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, because they're going to remember us for something, and we're going to remember them. My mom and dad were older parents when they had me, so my mom and dad really didn't go to all my games. I don't think my dad ever watched me play basketball. I don't think my mom and dad ever uh, played with me very much. So those are things I thought, I'm going to go to my kids' sports games, I'm going to play with them, all those things. But I do know this one thing. My mom and dad loved me very much. And they provided a loving and secure home for me to grow up in. A home to where I would wake up at night sometimes and I would hear mom and dad in the living room praying. 
praying in English sometimes and praying in the Holy Spirit at other times. And I knew that no matter what happened, my parents loved me. And that's a wonderful heritage. And if we can make sure we give our kids and grandkids that heritage, that's something that's worth more than any price we could put on it. Father, tonight, Lord, we are products of our raising. Some of us have said, I never want to be like that, but I want to do this. Some of us have said, I want to be just like my parents. But Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we understand that every child is different and every child is a custom-made gift to us. Given to us to then help shape and form and direct in the way that God wants them to go in. And I pray, God, that if we have made mistakes, we'll come to you and say, Father, forgive me, and go to that child and say, I'm sorry, I handled it wrong. I was trying to, trying to do something that was right, but I did it the wrong way. Or maybe there's something you need to go to them and say, hey, you know what? I didn't do this, but I should have. And I'm sorry. But I pray that from this day forward, we begin to pray and say, God, help me to know my kids, my grandkids. Help me to know them. Help me to understand them. Help me not to force them into a, a way that you did not create them to go. And Lord, if I'm guilty of any of these things pastors talked about tonight, Lord, touch my heart, forgive me, and then let me make things right. And I pray tonight, God, that we walk forward together in you and your love and your presence because you are the perfect Father. And you are the one who accepts us as we are and loves us and gives us mercy and grace. In all these things, we give you praise and honor and glory. Amen and amen. We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.